And I draw your attention today to John chapter 20, verse 19 through 20. John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. And it says this, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, that would have been a Sunday, Amen. On Sunday evening, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. There's nothing like Jesus stepping into our situation and saying, Don't be worried anymore. Verse 20, and this is very important. And when he had said, peace be unto you, it's very interesting what he did. He showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. He said, peace be unto you. Then he showed them his scars. Then they were glad. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I praise you for it is sent, and I thank you that it is going to be preached today. I pray, God, you would anoint the lips of the preacher. I pray you would anoint the ears and heart of the hearer. God, I pray you would speak it to the lives of these people as you have spoken it to me today. Help me to communicate your word today. And we're believing you for signs following today. We're believing you for somebody to be released of their guilt, released of their shame, released of their past. I praise you for what you're going to do in this service. I enter this pulpit in faith today, believing that somebody's heart's going to be mended, somebody's mind's going to be settled, somebody's fears are going to be dispelled in Jesus' name. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us in John chapter 20 of the disciples gathered after the crucifixion and burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're gathered at evening on the first day of the week. And they're gathered because they are afraid of the Jews. And fear permeates their environment. And the Bible says into that environment, Jesus shows up in their midst. He stood, he didn't come in, doesn't say he came in the door, doesn't, doesn't say where he entered from. It just says they were shut up. They were closed in because of fear. And then Jesus stood in the midst of them and he said, be at peace. When he said, be at peace, he then, uh, verse 20 says that he showed them his hands and his side. They were, these disciples were seeing Jesus risen from the dead. And he felt it important to show them his hands and his feet. It was not enough for him to be risen from the dead, standing before them in a glorified body. They had 
watched him be apprehended. They had scattered for fear of the authorities. Uh, They knew he had died on the cross. They knew he had been buried. Now they see him resurrected, alive forevermore. (laughs) The man to which death had no power and the grave could not hold him. Oh, praise God. I, I kind of think when, when he showed up where they were, it kind of feels like uh, well, when he shows up where we are. You hear what I said? In other words, when we start singing and worshiping God, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there am I in their midst. It feels better. It feels good when all of you are here, but it feels better when Jesus shows up. And we brought all our fears and all our worries and all our could have beens and should have beens, but Jesus shows up and it changes everything. He says, peace be unto you. Don't be worried anymore. Don't be afraid anymore. Oh, oh, what a message for this generation. An over-medicated generation. A mentally medicated generation. Fear. Uh, the Bible says men's hearts will fail them because of fear. We've got enough fear in this world. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. <laughs> I don't want to start thinking the way this world thinks. It'll mess you up. <laughs> and the Bible says he's standing before them in his glorified condition, in his resurrected power and he feels the, he says be at peace the next verse is where I focus today when he said don't be worried anymore he felt it important to show them his hands and his side and the Bible says then everybody say then <laughs> then It doesn't say they were glad when he showed up. It doesn't say they were glad when he said, don't be worried anymore. But when they saw his hands and his side, then they were glad. Glad at the scars. Happy because someone else was wounded. They, he showed them his hands and his side and they were glad. Most people hide their scars. Most people don't want anybody to see them. In fact, it's so good to have Brandon here today. He just came through another surgery. He's had a number of them and God's been good to him. A 400 ton press crushed his right hand you notice when he came up for prayer today he had a bandage on most people hide their scars Jesus stepped into the midst of fearful worried disciples and said don't be worried anymore and and, oh well let me help you with this it's like Kevin with his trumpet vine example it's like I told you not to be worried. Oh, let me give you a little physical help. 
Let me show you my hands and let me show you my side. These same men who just days before had been fearful and scattered, they are now glad. Now, I don't know what happens when you get glad. Maybe you sit there like you're sitting there right now. But there are signs in your life when you get glad. I'm sure uh, the fans of the Nationals were glad they won the World Series. <laughs> they were really glad. You know how they were really glad? You saw how glad they were. I saw grown women acting, acting crazy in front of a camera. It's being broadcast around the world. So what? I'm glad. So glad. They, in fact, uh, one of the news anchors for a, uh, a news organization, uh, they, one of the, one of the uh, people that was broadcast the news every day early in the morning, they didn't show up the next day. They didn't know where they were. They were so glad they didn't show up to work, didn't care. They had a parade. Were they glad? Absolutely they're glad. I'm thankful I'm in a church that's not ashamed to be glad. I'm glad I'm in a congregation that we're not afraid to lift our voice, to display the joy that God has given us because of his great salvation. I was glad when they said unto me, let's Let's go to the house of the Lord. Anybody glad to be in church today? Somebody ought to notify your hands a little bit. Somebody ought to notify your voice. I'm glad to be at church. We need that. We need that gladness. We need that joy. The world has enough heartache, fear, and pain. Oh, thank God for the church. It doesn't mean we haven't experienced heartache, pain, and fear. No, it, it just means there's something deeper than all of that. <laughs> this is not joy the world gives. This is joy that the Lord gives. And because the world didn't give it to me, they cannot steal it from me. My job didn't give me this, so my job can't take it from me. My kids didn't give me this, so my kids can't steal it. I didn't get this buying a new automobile at the, at the car lot, so when I lose that automobile, it's not going to take my gladness. I got this somewhere else. I got this in a room where I saw a risen Lord who was not afraid to show me his scar. Don't be fearful. Didn't say anything else. He just said, don't be afraid. And then he showed, he just talked to the hand. Talk to the hand. See that scar? Most people's afraid to reveal their scars. <laughs> but the disciples were made glad when they saw his scars. Now, bear with me, stay with me. It's, you know, you're not going to be able to mentally go off to Never Never Land in this sermon. You're going to have to stay with me. Everybody willing to stay with me? 
Okay. Now we're going to be made glad when we see what they saw. Remember Saul on the road to Damascus? He saw Jesus. It changed his life. The disciples saw the risen Lord and they were glad. If we can see what they saw, we too can experience gladness and peace. In fact, let's look at this. Hebrews 13 verse 20. This is very important. Uh, this is the closing of the epistle to the, to the Hebrews. And, and in the closing verses, this is said in verse 20. Now the God of peace, praise God, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Uh, how, did he, how was he brought from the dead? It tells you here in Hebrews 13, 20. He was brought from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The writer Hebrews tells us what brought him out of the grave was the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now I know that don't make a lot of sense right now, but that's why God's called me to preach. I pray it makes more sense in the next 20 minutes or so. That God brought Jesus from the dead through the blood, through the blood. Everybody shout, through the blood. I know you, if anybody ever asks you how was Jesus raised from the dead, the right answer is through the blood. <laughs> Am I okay? Okay, verse 21. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This says, that Jesus was raised up from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. We've got that settled. So this thought is especially for those in a particular condition. Those fearful, those hiding, those closed in, those very anxious, those that, it, that don't know victory, those that mourn over their failures. Anybody hearing me now? This room of disciples is full of men that forsook the Lord in his most important hour. I don't know how many of you feel that you're not quite as victorious as God may think you are or say you are. I don't know how many of you can say I'm not held to my past, but really it's the only thing you think about. You're still condemned. You're still overcome with shame. You're still afraid. You cannot feel glad because of all the mistakes you've made. And I know you say that you're free, but in your mind and in your heart, you're still so shameful over your record. <laughs> oh, anybody hearing what, you, what I'm saying today? The Bible says Jesus showed up into a room full of, of misfits and renegades and, and, and those mutinous men in that room that would not stand 
There's Peter, who the last time he saw Jesus, he was cursing and saying, I don't know him. In the middle of that room steps Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not here to make war with you. Be at peace. Oh, let me show you my scars. I'll give the Lord a good hand clap today. We're going somewhere. Oh, how are we free from condemnation? How are we free from the shame of the past? How are we free from mistakes that we make? Well, repentance, essential as it is, has not taken the stain away. Repentance, I turn from sin and I turn to God. But we keep beating ourselves up. We keep telling ourselves that we don't deserve this or don't deserve that or how unworthy we are. And we are, in fact, sinners saved by the wonderful grace of Almighty God. But I want you to hear this, Romans 4 and 25, speaking of Jesus. Don't ever forget it. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again uh, for our justification. Paul says to the Roman church, Jesus was delivered for your past. Jesus was crucified for your failures. No, you're not hearing me. Jesus took the weight of your sin on the cross. But not only that, he was raised to justify you. Jesus was delivered, the Bible says, to pay for our offenses. He took responsibilities for the world, sins of the world. His responsibility was for the sin of every man, the sins of the lost and the sins of all the saints. Everybody with me? Their past sins, everything behind the cross. Their future sins, everything in front of the cross. From the beginning of time all the way to 2019, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says Jesus was delivered up for our sins. Everybody hear that? Right. We hear that a lot. But what does that mean? He was delivered up for my sins. That means that God put upon Jesus what our sins deserve. What does sin deserve? The wages of sin is death. Isaiah said it, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the wages of all that sin was death. So he became sin for me. And he died for me. <laughs> With that in mind, I want to remind you how long, if the wages of sin is death, Brother Jim, how long did that death last? If he died for me and the wages of the sin of the entire world was heaped on the cross and he died for every man, how long was he dead? It's not a trick question. 
I mean, if you, if you got ten fingers, you can probably get this one. How long was he dead? What a surprise. No, you're looking at me like, where in the world is he going today? What a surprise, Sister Betty, that if all the sin of the world was laid on him and he died for every man, that he was only dead for three days. Oh, I see. I see your gladness building. I feel it building. What a surprise it is when we find God who put on Jesus what we all deserve, raising that man from the dead just three days later. How is it that God can raise him from the dead three days after he dies if the wages of sin is death? How can a holy God raise him that became sin for us, bearing the sin of the whole world? Hebrews 13 tells you it's by the blood of the everlasting covenant. He was raised up by the blood of the ever... What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the blood was enough. The blood was enough for the sins of the past. The blood was enough for the sins of the future. The blood is enough. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. Not just blood. No. Okay, the blood of the, no, the value, because the reason that he's raised three after bearing the entire world's sin, suffering death for the entire world, God raises him three days later because of the blood. And in specific, in specificity, it means the, the blood is only valuable because of the value of the person whose blood it is. <laughs> the value was greater. Oh, my Lord. I'm glad. The value of that blood was greater than all of the sin of mankind. No, no because of who it is and the value of his person, that blood was more valuable and greater than all of the sins that have ever been committed. Oh, my. Oh my, that's why I can say what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but, oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, somebody give God some glad praise now. Yeah. I hurry. Jesus emphatically declared it on the cross. It is 
finished. That's why the grave could not hold him because of the value of that blood, because of whose blood it was. And when the disciples saw him and his scars, they were glad. He was raised from the dead by the blood. It means that he is clear of all the sins for which he took responsibility. No. If he is not cleared from all the sins which he became responsible for, he would still be in that grave. But he was cleared from all the sin that he took responsibility for. What sin did he, was he responsible for? It was not his own. <laughs> no, he was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. Whose sin was he responsible for? He was responsible for mine and for yours and for everybody in this city. The drug addict who, who today is not in church, who's sleeping off whatever he did last night, Jesus took responsibility for that sin. The alcoholic that his home is busted up and his kids have walked out, Jesus took responsibility for that addiction. It means... When the Bible says that he was raised because of the blood, it means that he is now declared clear of all the sins he was responsible for. So you know how he came out of that grave? He came out because sin had lost its power. Sin couldn't hold him anymore. Death couldn't hold him anymore. I don't care what kind of stone you, oh, I don't care what kind of stone you put in front of that grave. He's greater than all the sin of this world. Yes, he is. Now, I don't know why you're still battling. I don't know why you still feel like you're unworthy. I don't know why you still look for a reason to be glad today. But Jesus bore your sin on the cross. Oh, yes, he did. Remember the sins of which he was responsible. He was responsible for my sin, Adam's sin. Cain's murder of his own brother, all the heartache in the world today, he is now clear, the sins of which he is now clear are my sins. In fact, Brother Kevin, if I could put it this way, those scars on his hands were my scars. That was my debt. That was what I deserved. That's what I was responsible for. And he said, be at peace. That didn't make them glad. But when they saw that he was responsible for the guilt and the fear and the pain of their sinful past, they became glad. No wonder 
Those were my scars and your scars. Here's the man who's not afraid to show his scars. In fact, he showed my scars to God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to read the verse to you in a minute. But he, he, he took that terrible death that I deserved and that scarred, wounded body. And he showed Jesus was unembarrassed of the scars he carried for me. He was continually showing his hands. Thomas, put your hand in there. Put your finger in there. Isaiah says that even in his glorified state, even after coming out of the grave, this is the one thing he would not erase. He would erase our failures. He would erase our guilt. He would erase our damnation. But he would not erase the fact that he bore my scars. All my failures, all my pain, all my missteps. He is unembarrassed. Unembarrassed. No, not like a wounded man that's going to wrap it all up and, oh, you don't want to see this. No, Jesus openly. Here's the scars. He's what I want to title this message today. He's scarred and unashamed. Scarred and unashamed. Listen, if Jesus is clear, if he took my sin, let, let's just say he carried John's sin. Come here, John. Come here. Now, just be careful. Don't get, don't get wiggy. Don't get wiggy. Come on. Come on. He carried, he carried, carried. My God, you're getting heavy, boy. Woo! He, get up on my back. That may be easier. Come on, piggyback. Come on. Watch it. The, watch my microphone. Get your hand out of my This church has to hear me. Oh, he's, he's going down the Via Della Rosa. And he's not falling because of a cross. Oh, I know it's heavy. But there's something heavier on him. Oh, oh. He's never known this kind of weight before. He's never known this kind of sin before. You okay? You okay? He bore John. The weight of John he bore. Now think about, think about Mariah. Come on, get up. Come on, Mariah. Stand up. Zariah, sorry, Zariah. Come on. No, why not? I think I could take one more. No. See? Even she knows. That a man can only bear such so much burden. I can't carry John and Zariah. I can't carry. Uh, I can't. Here's the fact of the matter, friend. I can't even bear my own burden. Uh, oh, there are times I crawl up to the altar and say, God, I can't bear this burden. But I want to tell you, Jesus took your sin. 
He was scarred and unashamed. Yes, he was. Oh, somebody praise him now. Come on, somebody be glad with me today. Come on, somebody be glad with me today. So, so wait, 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 wait. You can be seated. That means now we won't do it again. John, I don't think I can do it again. But if Jesus shouldered all my sin and your sin and all the sins of this community and people that atheistic thoughts don't even believe there is a God, he bore their sin. Mariah, he took it, the Bible says, into the Holy of Holies. And when he took it into the Holy of Holies, he presented as a representative for all of us He presented all our failures with that precious blood. And because of the value of the person whose blood it was, God said, that blood is bigger than all that sin. I don't care what you've done today, how bad you messed it up, and what bridges you have burned. I'm telling you today, the disciples were glad when they saw he had their scar. I got your scars. I got it. I got it. What did Isaiah say? He was wounded. Our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was on him. And with his stripes we are healed. And God declared his blood enough and cleared him. And when he cleared him, now it's not Easter, but this is why the grave couldn't hold him. The power of sin is the power of the grave and sin is death. The power of of death and, and the grave is in sin. Jesus was cleared of sin. Grave can't hold him. He's coming out. Now wait a minute. If God cleared him, stand... If God cleared him, Connor, come here. Come hurry. I'm not gonna carry you either. But come here. If 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 Connor stands before God, he's guilty. We're born in sin, shape, and iniquity. But Jesus got up in front of Connor. And he said, Oh, I'm appearing now for Connor. I, I yeah. I, I'm standing in for him. And God said, oh, since you're standing in for him, then I clear you. Now wait, 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 wait. See, what you don't realize is that if Jesus got all of Connor's sin and robed it on him and said, I'm going to take, I know. The reason God cleared him because the value of the person whose blood it was. We didn't have any value. Jesus has all the value. And he said, here, let me have your sin. I know he loves me. I know he'll do this for me. Sit down, Connor. Listen, if God cleared Jesus carrying your load, 
then why are you guilty? Why are you fearful? Why are you beating yourself up? Why are you telling God how bad you are? Oh, I am preaching. Now, I'm not giving you license to go live like you want to. No. Oh, no. If Jesus is cleared carrying my burden, then you know what that means? The inference is I'm clear. I'm clear. So when Jesus shows up in a room full of disciples and all he says is peace be unto you, but then he shows his scarred and unashamed. They knew what he was saying. You're clear. Everything's cool. If by his blood sin has lost its power to condemn my substitute, then it has lost its power to condemn me also. If sin cannot condemn the one who substituted for me, then sin cannot condemn me. So I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad to be serving him today. Oh, I don't understand people that say, well, I just lost my joy. Well, it's time for you to get it back. Why do you have no joy? Why are you not glad? Why are you not happy? Oh, oh come on, clap your hands under the Lord today. I hurry. I know. I, I know it's daring. I know you've never heard such preposterous statements. But if his blood was enough to bring him from the dead, it's enough to bring me out of darkness. Oh, somebody shout, praise the Lord. I, in fact, I had, uh, he had, think about this, he had more sin than I ever had. How many times have you said to the Lord in praying, Lord, I, I know it's going to be hard for you to forgive me. Here I am again, Lord. I've done it again. I don't know how many times you're going to have to forgive me. Lord, I know this is tough for you. Anybody ever had that in your mind? How tough it is for God to get over all the failures you have? Listen, the sin he carried was bigger than all my sin put together. See, just think about it. Think about it. If he carried the sin of this whole front row, well, maybe the front two rows. Maybe the front three rows. Think about all the sins in these 20 people. I ain't never sinned that much. Think about the sins of everybody in this room. And you come to the altar and go, God, I'm so terrible. Wait a minute. He carried everybody's... Is that settling in on you? Is that getting in your spirit that you can never come to the altar and shock him about how bad you've been? He's already taken care of it. He... Oh. Come on, somebody clap your hands under the Lord.
I can't even bear my own burden. He bore the whole world's sin. And if he lives, and that's by the blood of the covenant, then I want to tell you I can live by the same blood. Until I see him raised from the dead with the scars of the battle, I will always be sad, mourning over my failures, struggling to do better and never finding rest. And the more I try, the more condemned I feel. But Jesus has finished the work and has declared me right with God. I cannot be more right with God than what the blood of Jesus makes me. No wonder they were glad. No wonder they were glad. They knew something. These were Jews. They knew something. They knew that that tabernacle was important. They knew what happened there. Jesus was brought up from the dead through the blood of the covenant. But those disciples standing there, when he held out his hand and said, I got your scars. I was wounded for you. They knew. He had said it in that garden early on the first day of that week. Early. This is evening. But early that morning, he had said to Mary, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Because I have not ascended. So we know that after he came out of the grave, early that first day of the week, he ascended. He went somewhere. Well, now we know at the evening of the first day of the week, he's back. And now he's saying, check the scars out. Thomas, put your hand in there. A few hours earlier, he's saying, don't touch me. Don't handle me. Because he's the high priest. And the high priest is going into the Holy of Holies. Come on. I don't have time to do this. He died on the Passover. You know what happened at the Passover. They killed the lamb. You know what happened. Those priests would take that blood of those lambs and go into the holy place. And the sin of Israel would be pushed ahead. Oh, but not so at Calvary. The Bible says he went back to heaven into the Holy of Holies, which the Lord had already told us that that tabernacle on the earth was only a shadow of a greater tabernacle that was in heaven. So Jesus took his own blood into the tabernacle in heaven, into the presence of God, just like the earthly priest. Oh, Hebrews 9 verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once. 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 It only took once. Think of all the sin he's carrying, Rissa. Think of all the burdens he's bearing. He goes in once with his own blood. Obtaining, getting, what? Eternal redemption for who? For me. He got it. So when he shows back up with those disciples and he says, boys, don't be worried. 
That's fine and dandy. Those words are great. But when he showed them his scars, when it all started coming together, they realized what he had done for them. Not even Jesus, once he had taken a sinner's place, could enter the Holy of Holies except by the merits of his own blood. I don't care how good he is. If he doesn't have the blood, that's the only way he enters. It reminds me of a passage in Psalms, chapter 24. Who, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. For this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek his face, O Jacob, seek I don't know about you, but if those are the conditions, then count me out. Who shall enter his holy place? It takes clean hands and a pure heart. I can't ever get there. Anybody hearing me? I can never get there. But the Bible does say if you get there, but it takes clean hands and pure heart. If you get there, that person that gets there is going to get the blessing. Did you read that? Who shall ascend? He has clean hands and a pure heart. And the one that gets there, he shall receive the blessing and righteousness from the God of our salvation. Oh, I'm thankful that that's not the end of that chapter. If those are the conditions, then every one of us are left out. But look at verse 7, what it says. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Oh, I don't know about you, but that the writer there is talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, lift your heads up because somebody has gone in for you. The King of glory shall come in. The Lord mighty in battle. Isaiah said, who is this that cometh from Edom with his garments dyed? He's glorious in his apparel, traveling in his greatness. Why are your garments red like you've trodden the winepress? Verse 9, lift, ye, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Who is this king of glory? He's the one who bore the sinner's sins on the cross. He goes in by his own blood. He has the right to enter the holy of holies. How? His blood has cleared him of all the sinner's sins. And if the blood for all the sinner's sins was enough for Jesus to bring him into God's presence and to bring him out of the grave, it's enough for me. So now I can go boldly into his presence. 
I can come boldly. I don't care what you did last night, how bad it got. I don't care what your track record is or how terrible your heart is. I want to tell you, you can come boldly. He's gone in before me. He's prepared the way. In fact, if you need any sign of it, those Jews in the temple, when Jesus said it is finished, the Gospels tell you that something happened in that temple. The veil was ripped. Jesus went in with his blood and when he came back out, he tore the door open. In other words, he's gone into the Holy of Holies and he's left the door open for all of us. So today, I'm glad to be at church. I'm glad to lift up holy hands. I'm glad he's for me and not against me. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. In Hebrews, Jesus is mentioned as our forerunner. Forerunner. You know what that is? It's somebody that goes before. I can just hear him. Yeah, I've come back from a battle at Calvary. And there's a great crowd coming behind me. Who are they? They're the maimed. They're the crippled. They're the blind. They're mighty sinners, but they're saved by a mightier grace. So if you're still mourning and blaming, it's not because God is blaming you. He's already put all that blame on Jesus. I'm free today. Sometimes I wonder, Brother Wright, why my, my, my wings haven't grown out more by now. Why do I feel so condemned, so fearful? I've repented, yeah. Sometimes it's pride. I'm worried about what other people think. I make myself pay because of what everybody else saw. And Jesus knows how to get the rocks out of the hands of the condemners. I close with this. Three things that this message has done for me and taught me. If he took my place, then the first victory he won was victory over me. I have now come to see that victory is not me conquering sin, doing better, not getting in the candy jar. No. My victory is not me conquering sin. No, he's already done that. My victory is him conquering me. And taking me to the cross. All of our pride is against this. And sometimes like Jacob, there wrestles a man with us until the breaking of the day until he succeeds in breaking us. Not only is my victory his victory over me, but it's his victory for me. He has set me free from the hangover of guilt and self-accusations. 
he is saved. Have you ever heard people say, yeah, they're saved, but they haven't got the victory? What does that mean? Does it mean that this person needs to get to a place where they never fail again? No. What that means is that this person is not yet glad. That's what it means. In fact, I want to stop right here and say something to you in the spirit. There are people in this room right now that cannot receive the blessing from the Lord because your past still has your attention. You keep reminding yourself about how terrible you've been and how much time you wasted and how terrible that decision was and you pray about it and you intercede about it, you fast about it, not realizing that whatever you did has already been declared free. Jesus bore the weight of your sin. So... While you're mourning and and fearful and worried and shameful, you never can have the joy that God wants you to have. I need that gladness. Not only the victory he has over me and for me, but I'm thankful for the victory he has in me. Kevin had no idea where I was going in this message today. Probably still doesn't. But I told him to leave his vine in front of the pulpit today. He did a wonderful job teaching us in Sunday school. Jesus put victory in me. I said, Jesus put the victory in me. He is the vine, I am the branch. We make a bad mistake trying to be the vine. We are not the vine, he's the vine. Trying our best to produce the fruit that we know every child of God should produce is bad news. We are not the vine, he's the vine. We fail, we don't have the fruit we should have, we get discouraged. But I want to remind you, the Bible says, In me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. But when I take my place as a branch, and I say, no, he's the one that won my victory. He's the one that gave me power. He's the reason I live. When I take my place as a branch, and I just abide in him, He promises to abide in me. And what is more victorious, my friend, than Jesus dwelling in us? Nothing more victorious than that. What is produced in us is not of the branches, it's of the vine. The vine dwells in the branch. Or the branch dwells in the vine and the vine in the branch. By one way, it's called the sap. The sap. Kevin kept mentioning the nutrients. He mentioned nitrogen. It's the sap. And I want to tell you, the sap of every believer is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
People say, well, I don't know if you have to have it. Well, I want to tell you right now, friend, if you're not abiding in him and him not abiding in you, you're not going to produce what he wants you to produce. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anybody glad for the Holy Ghost in your life? That Oh, come on. I want you to stand all over this building and give him praise right now. Come on, would you lift your voice? <laughs> Come on, we're about to leave. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Somebody be glad that you're here today. Somebody be glad that you know Jesus today. You're clean. You're free. Your sins are forgiven. I don't care how you feel today, how bad you may feel. I'm going to tell you, he's already taken care of it. <laughs> now, people may not forget it, and others may say this or that, but don't worry about what other people say. Go get the fatted calf, and let's have a celebration. For, oh, for my son that was lost is now found. <laughs> oh. My older son will just have to get over himself. So don't worry about what others may say. Jesus said you were worthy enough. And now he's cleared you. And now he's made a way for you to come boldly. So I just want to, I just want to do it today. I want to give you an opportunity to go through the curtain. To walk past the veil and say, Lord... I'm coming to accept what you've done for me today. I don't have to live in sin, in disobedience, in rebellion. I come today to obey you, to allow you to do in me what you've already declared I am. I come today for your blessing. Anybody feel that way today? Anybody thankful for what Jesus has done for you? I want you to reach over and pray for somebody right now. Just, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Come on. I feel His Spirit in this room. Just reach over. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm preaching to young adults. They fail so many times, they've lost count. But Lord, I pray right now your word would get them out of that chair. I pray it'd get them in this altar to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Lord, I'm praying for saints of God that served you for years, but they're still condemned over failures of yesterday. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every chain would be broken. I am more than a conqueror. I am what he said I am, so I'm going to be glad. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm going to open the altar. Anybody thankful for the cross? Anybody thankful for the blood? While the singers are coming, we're going to open the altar for whosoever will. Let him come. And I want you to pray, Lord, I want the joy and the gladness that comes from knowing that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on. Come on. I've been redeemed. I've been saved.